0: It's pretty good.
1: Why? Why are you drinking hot cocoa?
0: It's like almost wintertime. I don't know if you noticed
1: Do you have a cold? Are you ten? Are you neighbors with the actual Swiss Miss? These are the three reasons why anyone would be drinking <laughs> hot cocoa in my mind. No, I like hot cocoa. It's
0: I don't know. I'm, there's there's not a lot of there's not a lot of liquor in my house right now. At least not liquor that I like. Um, That's always a problem. Yeah. And I didn't want to... Who,
1: who likes it? Laura likes it?
0: There's gin in the house. Okay. I'm not a all gin right. drinker. No, I don't like gin either. It tastes like trees. I don't care for <laughs> it. <laughs> it's I, All I can think about when I smell it is like sap. <laughs> <laughs> I know plenty the of people old, who like gin. I know people who love s- gin. Sap and tonic. Oh my god. Oh good old pine trees and tonic. Have
1: you had this have you had this new uh mixed drink? Tastes like pine salt? It's really good.
0: I think my favorite Snoop Dogg song is sipping on sap and juice. It's my favorite. <laughs> Lay back with a needle in my money and my money on needles. Um <laughs>
1: I like how brought that around to be about pine trees again. Yeah, it was good. I was I was down with it.
0: Um, so, yeah, I'm just drinking this hot cocoa because I'm also, you know, I'm going into a pretty uh, hectic period of rehearsal. And then we're traveling this upcoming weekend. I'm trying to be a little bit better about not imbibing beer at every meal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Is this a problem that you have? No, I don't have it with Breakfast. Do we need to have, does this need to be about an intervention that we've been meaning to have?
0: No, those are pointless. <laughs> that's
1: not, wow, that's not true. The desire uh, for change has to come from within, is what you're saying. Is, are you quoting Avatar the movie? What you I've asking? never seen Avatar the movie, so if I am quoting it, it's an accident. But I've never I'll, seen it either. That sounds like I'll, something I'll, they would say. It,
0: what,
1: what? No, I'm just saying shame. Is only effective as a motivator to a certain extent.
0: That's true. You have to desire goodness
1: in yourself, right? As somebody who's been ashamed of a lot of things, I can say that it's only.
0: <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> no, I'm good. This... Welcome I'm to good. Overdue. This is your intervention podcast. Uh, we talk about the interventions that you've been meaning to hold. My name is Craig.
1: My name is Andrew. And, and ac-
0: also, we talk about books. <laughs> Actually, it's a
1: book podcast. I fooled you. <laughs> gotcha suckers (laughs) suckers man nobody's listening anymore everybody left
0: wouldn't it be great if someone was listening and they were like they called me a sucker they just like threw their iphone they were so mad
1: hey it's not our problem they're a sucker no it's not
0: not our problem they're such a sucker they threw their iphone at the street (laughs) uh so since we are ostensibly a book podcast um what book did you read this week andrew
1: i read um John Paul Sartre's, S- Sartre's okay. Sartre. Let's just Sartre. go with Sartre. That's like the Americanization. I, I, I looked up. I even looked up a pronunciation guide. It's just my my like m- lumpy American <laughs> mouth can't form like the delicate syllables of his name.
0: Your tongue is is laden with French fries and it's like a it's like nuggets. It can't trying to
1: talk with an entire ham in your mouth. <laughs> can't form those old world syllables. <laughs> S- sard sard sarder john paul john paul sarder john paul sarder okay um, let's just call him he, john paul jp Sartre. jp Sartre. okay he wrote this play called no exit that i read that i may have i may have said that already i don't remember
0: no i don't think you actually said the name of the thing so yeah no exit
1: yes no exit which for everybody's reference is the hell is other people play i think that quote has been like co-opted by the donnie darko hot topic set <laughs> but you know the people i'm talking about <laughs>
0: can't can't sleep clowns will eat me hell as other people
1: yeah like yeah. they drive around and they're like dodge shadow with a with a faded hell as other people bumper sticker on it and it's it's, it's in like the goosebumps font and
0: andrew did you, what was your fir- what was the first car you owned was it not a dodge shadow a
1: dodge shadow was like the third car <laughs> wait it was the second car that I owned. If you don't count the Dodge Caravan that I drove around between the first car and the second car, because that technically was not mine. You didn't even blink. You just told me about all your cars. It's got a long history. Everything I know about cars I learned because my crappy cars broke down in every possible
0: way. Didn't We'll get to the book in a second, but didn't you at one point your car died and so you put the engine of one car inside your new
1: ebay car is that true yeah my dad did that my first car was a k car like in the bare naked lady song sure and uh it turns out that the engine from that will go into the body of a 1991 dodge shadow (laughs) so my dad bought this salvage car like this wrecked car from somewhere in illinois and he drove it back to ohio like he and my uncle towed it back and then they put the engine in it and the first time I drove it the like hose came off the radiator and oh, no. <laughs> sprayed antifreeze everywhere but after that it was a pretty good car until it started that like car death spiral where you keep fixing it and then it keeps breaking worse than it broke the last time
0: <laughs> it's like a bad relationship that you're just trying to figure out how to end
1: yeah like I I need the car so like <laughs> we work out like our unsteady piece but eventually it's gonna end
0: well and the car can't leave you until unless it dies the car can leave you i suppose (laughs) let's be clear about that (laughs) let's be clear about that uh so why did you read no exit
1: um it's one of those books that we picked up i think i picked it up at like a book drop for 50 cents. It's got no exit and it's got three other plays in it. I read it twice on the plane on okay. a recent business trip. And I actually read most of one of the other. I think I read most of The Flies, which is one of the other plays in it, but we're not going to talk about that. We no. might talk about it in the future. We're not going to talk about it now. Okay. So yeah, this is the this is the Hell is Other People play um, it. Wait, wait, so wait, wait, hold on.
0: What did you know about it? Before you started reading it. Is that I all you knew?
1: Might, I might have known that it was the hell as other people <laughs> play. I think I had heard it mentioned. But like, I recognized the name, you know, John Paul Sartre. Yeah. And <laughs> and you recognized
0: the name of the title. Yeah. Okay. Could you tell me... Bef- can you tell me which m- f- philosophical movement JPS is part of? No. Can you guess...
1: Existentialism. Yes. Okay. Okay.
0: All right. Good job. <laughs> Thanks. The book was written in Gold the f- star. In, in the 40s, which is prime existentialism time.
1: Yeah. And it was put on, its first performance was um, in 1946, I think. Yep. And it was pretty well received, you know, because that was before its primary sentiment became a cliche.
0: Yeah. I saw a quote that was like, you need to see this play even if you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> which I th- I think it's it's a testament to the play's kind of literary standing.
1: Yeah, and that's that's I guess that's the best thing any of us can aspire to, right? Like even if people don't like our work, it is recognized as important enough that it needs to be seen anyway.
0: Man, wouldn't Jerry Bruckheimer kill for someone to say that about his work?
1: <laughs> wouldn't
0: someone wouldn't he be so happy if someone was like, "Man, Transformers 3 is so bad, but you just you got to see it."
1: It's important even to if understand you don't, even the if you, medium. Even
0: if you don't like racist caricatures of robots, you need to see it.
1: Who doesn't like racist caricatures of
0: robots? I don't. I, I haven't Who? met a person yet, I suppose. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, okay. No exits. John Parson, John Paul, John Harbor. Yep, that's. The <laughs> mm-hmm. There are in this book. There are three main characters. There's, and again, I'm gonna just mangle. I'll all try. These I'll try and help
0: you with my high school French.
1: Okay, Joseph Garcine Garcin 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 is yelling at me from the other room. What the correct pronunciation? If you were to order Joseph um, Garcin,
0: if you were to order like a classic french uh like chicken cooked in a wine sauce dish it's caco vin so garcin
1: okay joseph garcin yeah um okay i i i inez, inez, inez okay
0: i think it's inez but it, inez. i don't that one i don't know that we'll I, go inez right.
1: inez serrano great um and then estelle tell R- me again i need that last name
0: what's the last wait what is it
1: rig rigault rigo Rigaud maybe? is it a u l t
0: yeah yeah it's, it's 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 it might be regeau if it's one
1: g it is one g yeah
0: could be regeau we'll just say regeau yeah let's say anyway
1: I'll, I'll stick with first names for Great. most of these people. so
0: joey ingrid enos <laughs> enos and estelle
1: enos not Enis. <laughs> we sound like you're about to tell a dirty limerick. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Joseph, Ines, and Estelle. Great. Oh, man, these names are going to kill me. No, you're fine. So they all, uh, one by one, at the beginning of the play, they're escorted into this room by a valet. And it becomes clear, eventually, through context, that they all have died and they have ended up in hell. Okay. And they, I guess I would call some of the logical leaps that some of the characters make, like pretty clearly contrived for the purposes of of the play like
0: can you um, give me an example because i'm because i'm going to counter with if they don't make that leap then the play doesn't happen but no i mean
1: obviously that's why they're making it but um like they're all talking and they're all trying to suss out like why they are all together and um joseph and estelle kind of seem content to say okay we've never met I don't know anything about you. I assume that it's just random and that we were all put together, you know, by chance and that there's, there's no design to it and nothing is, nothing is wrong. And then Ines is, is like, well, obviously we were all put together because each of us is going to torture the other two and it's going to be terrible. And this is like halfway through the play and she kind of apropos of nothing except for, she's kind of uh she's kind of a little dark, this one she uh, comes up with this this hypothesis that ends up being correct because when they all come into the room they're all sort of looking for the torture devices and the stereotypical things that you know one would expect from hell given the fire and brimstone and pitchfork thing that is that is usually i guess that exists in the public mind i guess
0: yeah so they don't come in expecting like am i going to the pearly gates or am i going to hell they know where they're going and it is just different from what they expect
1: yeah okay like they all they come into this room and it's just it's a sitting room and it's made up kind of ugly it's furnished in the style of the second french empire which is addressed early on and not really delved into much more um yeah they all they all come in and they're all expecting it to be kind of awful and it isn't and then they all start talking to each other and Ines comes with this comes up with this hypothesis that they're each going to end up torturing each other instead of there being like traditional fire and spikes and torture devices and then after that they all kind of start trying to figure out why they're all there
0: why the other people are there
1: yeah like they they're trying to figure out what the other people did that you know got them sent to hell okay um, and it, I mean, they all well, Joseph and Estelle especially kind of play dumb about it for a bit, like especially Estelle says, oh, I can't imagine what I did. It must have been a mistake. I I can't you know, I never did anything. And. Um, I don't know, it, it comes out through conversation that Joseph is like a newspaper man who um, cheated on his wife pretty a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Like pretty obviously like he he says that he like rescued her from the gutter and then she just kind of sat quietly by and like served him and his mistress's coffee sometimes when they were in bed late and she was up early and like and it was really it's really kind of gross and um, his other sin is cowardice. He he says he's a pacifist and um, it came time to fight a war in the country that he's from. And he made a run for the border and he was executed. Oh, gross. Okay. Yeah. So those are the things that he did wrong. Um, Inez is kind of an interesting character. She's a lesbian postal clerk.
0: What great jobs. Like, Yeah, I know, right? I'm going to set a play in hell and the people there <laughs> are going to be a guy who makes donuts and a punk seamstress. <laughs> punk I don't know seamstress? I don't know, I'm trying Excuse to Excuse me. I'm trying to find a corollary to lesbian poster worker, and that's been i come <laughs> up
1: with. And um Her since she she was staying with her cousin and his wife and seduces her cousin's wife away from him, at which point he kills himself and then she kind of torments her new lover a lot over the next six months, saying things mm. like, Oh yeah, we totally killed your husband, it's totally our fault until one night um, her lover just gets up and turns on the gas and comes back to bed and suffocates them both. Oh, no. Yeah, it's pretty. Oh, no. <laughs> and then Estelle has an affair with a younger fella. Uh-huh. And he gets her pregnant and it's she goes off. It's going you know, good. town going, yeah. for a few months to like visit relatives so her husband doesn't know. All right, like you do. Um, she, yeah, she has the baby. Um her lover is thrilled to have a baby, and she is not, and she throws it into a lake and kills it. And then the the guy she was having an affair with like blows his face off with a gun out of sadness. You're, the look on your face is like,, <laughs> uh, okay. So they're all pretty bad people.
0: Oh man. That's bleak, JPS. That's real. It's bleak. pretty bleak.
1: So it becomes pretty obvious why they're all there. Okay. And then they. I all would say just, so. Yeah. I mean, they all start. You know, while these stories are coming out, they're all kind of poking at each other. Like Inez thinks Estelle is pretty, and tries to like seduce her, and Estelle's having none of it, and she just wants to be with a manly man. So because Joseph is the only man who's there she tries to seduce him Hmm. and he says you know i can only be with you if you tell me that i'm not a coward and that what i did was like noble instead of you know just turning tail and running away yeah and she says oh of course i love you of course you're not a coward and inez is like standing there in the corner mad because estelle won't you know get with her and when it looks like joseph and estelle are actually going to hook up inez is like oh she's only saying that because you're the only man who's here and she would say literally anything <laughs> to get your attention and it's just it's it's all this back and forth and like pecking each other and picking each other apart and it just goes on and on like that do you have any questions up up to this point because uh, this is not a very long play like i've gone through most of it. no 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 this and
0: this is this is the bulk of the action right it's them just kind of needling each other
1: yeah, it's super dialogue heavy. Like, if you were going to put this play on, all you would need is three good actors who could actually sell it. Like, I can—I I mean, this play would live and die based on the performers you had doing it. Obviously, yeah. And you'd need like three couches.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen—I've seen a production of it, and that's basically what it was. Um, do does it on the page like? Is it, I don't, enjoyable is the wrong word, but like my, f, is it boring or is it interesting? Seems the like way, a very basic question. but
1: Yeah, like the way everything comes to light and the way the characters start playing off each other and kind of irritating each other almost instantly. Like Joseph is there by himself for a while talking to the valet who is... I don't know, some kind of lesser demon. They don't really say much about the valet except (laughs) that he doesn't have any eyelids and doesn't blink, which they find kind of unsettling. Gross. Um, And then Inez comes in and they start talking and like almost immediately. And you can, it's, it's interesting because even through the translation, I mean, I assume there's, this is being translated from French into English. It's their like distaste for each other is evident and you could tell that they are not people who are going to get along with each other. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just like everything that they say rubs the other one the wrong way. And it's the same when Estelle comes in, like Joseph tries to take his coat off and she says, Oh, I can't, you know, I can't stand to see a man in his shirt sleeves. It's so, it's so uncouth. Oh no. (laughs) And it's just like this little dumb, again, almost contrived stuff to like set up really, Early on, that these people are not going to like each other.
0: Yeah, you can start. It's 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 almost exposition, but it's exposition through behavior because it's like I'm going to do this thing, and then this other person is going to react to it in a way that tells both me and the audience something about them. You know.
1: Yeah, and I guess if if this were like quote unquote more realistic, I mean, this kind of stuff does happen. I mean, we've both lived with roommates who we liked and then slowly over time, they came to (laughs) dominate our lives in really unpleasant ways. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, they, they don't, they don't, obviously they don't have the, or just, he didn't, he chose not to give himself the benefit of that much time. And so like almost instantly they start tearing each other down and, reading the way that they bounce off each other and the way that these revelations about their characters gradually like come to light is really interesting and which is good because that's like most of what the play is
0: yeah it's it helps that the the individual kind of character sketches are layered enough that they i imagine if i recall correctly they unfold with a little bit of surprise because that's all that that's all that play is then Right. It's like, let me find out about you and let me slowly unravel things about you. And the next fact better make the last fact a little more interesting because I know it, you know.
1: Yeah. And the way like the way some of the dialogue is like I could hear myself. I could hear like line readings for it in my head. like Yeah. There's a, yeah. There's the part of it where and Estelle is kind of a younger woman and um you know clearly she's she's supposed to be youthful and pretty because um Inez takes a shine to her pretty much instantaneously it's it's implied that she's very attractive and she's i mean that's the kind of person who on a surface level you would not instantly believe anything bad of mm. like the way that Inez is characterized and even the way that she's described she's meant to be kind of instantly less likable yeah, yeah, and it's it's more believable that she would do something bad because of the way that she talks and the way that she carries herself.
0: Yeah, I'm interested in exploring Inez a little bit more because in the like what it, it's 1940s France, I don't know how they felt about lesbians. Um, yeah,
1: I don't know either. And um, the, you
0: put that character in hell, and it doesn't. You know, that's not why she's there. It's what she did that put her there. Um, and then for you to say that she kind of comes up, comes off as unlikable by how she treats the other characters in the room, I think it's mm-hmm. interesting that that. I'm wondering if you caught any whiff of that factoring into just like prejudgment on that character, or if that's just an interesting wrinkle. You
1: thing. know, that's that's interesting now that you bring it up because I I do think that. Joseph and Estelle left in a room together would probably figure something out. Like Hmm. there, I think there are at least two times in the play where they're really close to, to, um, I guess, I mean, for lack of a better word for, they're, they're really close to hooking up and then, (laughs) um, Inez will plant some seed of doubt in one or the other's mind or she'll like pick at something and she's not like content to let them find any respite from their torture. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Whereas like the way that Estelle and Inez interact when they're paired off or like Joseph and Inez interact when they're paired off. I don't think that Inez and either of them, if they were if they were in a room by themselves, I don't think that they could get along. Yes. Yes, yes. So she's kind of <clears throat> she's the more she's the most abrasive of the three of them, I think. And also she's I don't know, like her crimes I don't know, she's the she's the most enthusiastic about the the things that she has done. Interesting. And she also like seems she, to like
0: get the conceit of the room first, yeah, right?
1: Like she gets it really pretty much instantly without a whole lot of contextual information or anything. And, um, there's a particular line where she says like, she'll, you know, she works her way into people's hearts, like a cinder and she just burns them away until there's nothing left. And that's what she did to her, you know, her lover who killed them both (laughs) is, Oh man. Like she's really kind of, she kind of relishes it a little bit. And, Mm. um, and she also like there, there are brief scenes where all three of them, I guess the implication is that while people are still thinking about you on earth, you can still get kind of a limited window into what they're saying about you. Oh
0: yeah. I remember that. What is that all about?
1: So you get some brief flashes of, um, Estelle's, I don't remember if it's Estelle's friend or her sister. I don't remember which one it is, but, um, like dancing with another lover that Estelle had and like, she can see them dancing and then, um Estelle's friend tells the lover about the you know the whole baby story and he i don't know he reacts poorly and then i guess they both choose to forget about her because then her view of the world fades and it's the same with with Joseph but um, Inez really, I mean, she doesn't have people who remember her. She has her empty room, and then her connection to the earth fades when they rent her room out to somebody else. Oh, no. So, like, she doesn't even, she, the implication is kind of that she drives away everybody in her life. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, and I'm not sure if, if we're meant to read anything about her sexual orientation into that.
0: Yeah, I'm because there's something really interesting about, from a, like, Setting from a conceit perspective, if she isn't a lesbian, the potential dynamic in the room changes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean,
1: I, because I, I'm not sure if I wonder, no, I mean, it wouldn't be the same because if it was like two men and Estelle, then the, you know, her trying to get with Joseph and him being the only man being the issue would not be a thing. So, yeah, it's a very particular combination of of people like you need somebody who is sexually romantically interested in Estelle, but is not a man. Yeah. Like for the triangle to work
0: or yeah, exactly. Or, you know, some sort of, I don't know. Yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting because it has to be, she kind of has to be appealing to both sides, but that's kind of what makes her menacing at the same time.
1: Yeah. Like Joseph toward the end, you know after after he and Estelle go through the motions and she it comes to light that yeah, she would just she doesn't care if he's a coward or not, she just wants a man and um Joseph kind of appeals to Inez and says, "I need you to tell me that I'm not a coward because I know that you won't mean it, and it's like i I wanna say that it's if it's not the only time, it's like the biggest time where somebody tries to appeal to her humanity and like really tries to connect with her and it seems like she comes really close and then
0: decides not to
1: yeah like she just decides there's not there's not enough humanity left in her to Hmm. that she can do that Hmm. so yeah i mean in a lot of ways she is the most interesting character because it's hard to it's hard to say whether her sexual orientation plays a part in the way that she is supposed to be perceived, or if it's just meant to be her personality, or what like if there's some kind of deeper moral judgment going on there, you know yeah, certainly it's never implied that she is in hell because she 's a lesbian
0: yeah, 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 and yeah. I think it's just like the most she, it's the most interesting third character in that room mm-hmm. um in the same way that i've I remember and one of the reasons I bring this up I, I always think back to when I read um edward Albee's uh the zoo story or a zoo story i don't remember uh mm-hmm. in high school and it's two guys on a park bench right and uh one of my teachers one of the english teachers was like this play would be very different if it were a man and a woman um because the like the four granted relationships that would exist on stage for a play written in the 50s or whatever um And what the audience bring to the table, it changes a lot of the given
1: circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I and and I do wonder about the writing process of this. Like, did he start with the triangle and then work backwards to what the characters were, or did he come up with the characters first and then come up with how they were going to torment each other after?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, You know, I was trying to do a little reader's digest, uh, JP Sartre, before (laughs) we got started. Um, and the main thing that I found that seems to relate to this play in particular is people being the the uh, he, something from a book he wrote called Being and Nothingness. Um, the idea that the mere presence of another person causes you to look at yourself as an object and see what is it you you gain a different uh, sense of self when you realize there is another person in the room with you um in this and the the example that i think is really neat is he talks about like the moment you see a mannequin and for that split second you think it's a person and then like you're hyper aware of whatever you were just doing when you saw the (laughs) mannequin
1: i did that to myself the other night i was going in to bed and um, i turned the little flashlight on my phone on so i could see my way and i like caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror and i (laughs) I scared myself because I thought <laughs> oh, no. it was another person. Spooky, spooky. Anyway, that's my story.
0: Um, but it's that it's that moment where it's like you think you're alone, and then like your self awareness is one thing when you're by yourself, um, and you might not even have that much because you're focused on whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. But then the I second, almost wonder
1: if he started out with two people and then worked his yeah, way up maybe. to three. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: There's there's a lot of similarities. I mean, I think to this type of play that you know, starts emerging in early to mid 20th century as existentialism takes hold you know it's not unlike something like Godot or other plays where a couple people are in a space and that's it and they talk about how they're trapped in that space yeah. <laughs> and then they talk about what they have done or will do or are doing right now because um, I think the fact that these people are the people in No Exit, anyway, are in hell for what they've done. Is really important to existentialism, because mm-hmm. um, the main argument uh, is that you exist before you have any sort of like basic human nature, mm-hmm. um, and then your nature, you know, in the way that we use that term, like if you're basically good or basically bad, like that is all only defined by what you do yeah um and you exist before any of that factors into it so i think it's interesting that like why we are judging these people and they are judging each other and they have been judged based on these heinous actions and then it's what they do to each other in the room in the meantime that Mm -hmm. becomes really important
1: yeah it's it's kind of neat that clearly i mean they're in hell Clearly some kind of judgment has taken place, but there's not really a religious element to this play. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um they don't mention like God, they don't mention heaven, they don't mention like salvation or any of that typical um Christian stuff. Yeah. It's it's clearly I mean, the only the only reason they're there is because they have done something bad in particular it's all about their actions and not about like their religious state and it just it just doesn't come up which i thought was kind of neat <laughs> i don't know <laughs>
0: i think it's pretty neat that they do uh, talk about god at all it's yeah. pretty neat yeah and that well yeah and when you when you called the valet like a low level demon like they don't really refer to him by those terms they just kind of say that he's weird and doesn't have eyelids right
1: no he's just yeah he's just a uh he doesn't have eyelids he lives elsewhere in the mansion and his uncle is the head valet okay <laughs> and that's it's, all you know about him i love that
0: it's it's not that it's his uncle's mansion it's his uncle is also a valet
1: there and he's... so i don't know if that means like his uncle is satan and he's just there because of nepotism like he's the <laughs> yeah maybe he's like the deadbeat kid who needs a summer job because his life's not going anywhere and Well, he's just gonna work in the Hell Mansion.
0: I will. I will say that their their definition of of valet is is probably like slightly uh, classier than than ours. If my down nabby will tell me anything, (laughs) a valet is a is a pretty. It's you know you're still the head of the servants, but it's pretty important if Mm -hmm. you're a valet because you serve specific people. Okay, I'm gonna
1: stop and talk about Downtown Abbey now. Yeah, no, your downtown <laughs> Abbey uh um, watching really as, lent itself. As
0: we draw to this. a close, let's unpack Hell as Other People and, and the end of the because that's that comes pretty pretty well towards the end of the play, right?
1: Yeah, like almost not it's not the last line, but I believe it's on the last page. Okay. Where does that so, come um, from
0: and and why why do you think it's as famous as it is?
1: They I mean it, it comes at the end of a very tense scene where they've all been picking at each other and it boils over and Estelle takes like a letter opener off of the mantelpiece and tries to kill Inez with it. Okay. And Joseph is like, well, we can't, can't do that because we're all dead already. Like this is, this is hell. And he has the, like there's, I think that they know when Inez says, you know, we're all here to torture each other. They kind of deny it for a little bit. And I think that moment, when they all realize that they're they drive each other crazy and they want to kill each other but they can't i think that's when it really dawns on them that yeah they're all going to torment each other and this is all there is for eternity and hell is being around these people who you can't stand yes and they all like after he says that they all basically collapse on the floor and and laughter oh god <laughs> And then they get silent and then the last line of the play is, Well, let's get on with it from Joseph. <laughs> oh no.
0: Oh God.
1: So, yeah, the whole thing is pretty bleak. I mean, I find it I found it entertaining and kind of darkly funny in places almost. Yes, yes. yes. Cause all the characters are kinda of silly and they um they have these silly shallow kind of needs and emotions. Mm-hmm. Um But, you know, everything that they did was terrible. Everything that you know about what their future is going to be like is terrible. Um, They even have a moment where, like, the door of the room opens and they could leave and they choose not to. (laughs) Why? Wait, why does that happen? I don't remember. Uh, It's like Joseph. It's about I mean, it's about Joseph and he. Was it him
0: being a coward?
1: I don't know if it's him being a coward or if it's him just really wanting validation from one of them or from Inez in particular. Like that's before he makes the appeal to Inez, who to tell him that she's not a coward. Hmm. Um, yeah, and that I mean he he chooses not to leave. One one assumes because he needs that validation, but you could also I think make an argument that you know they aren't meant to leave and the door can open, but.
0: Yeah, they're not going to leave. They aren't act- they aren't
1: actually going to get out. Like
0: and that's part of the design. Yeah. I think that there will always be a reason for them to not leave that room.
1: Yeah. And it's it's kind of implied that I mean it's not directly implied that some sort of salvation is possible while they're down there, but anytime any of them gets close to finding, I mean not even just like capital S salvation, but even like comfort in one of the other ones arms, like the third person Picks them back out of it. Yeah,
0: that's why it has to be three people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Why do you think that quote is so prevalent?
1: It's one of those really, like, it's memorable, it's short, which, you know, helps with merchandising, I think. Yeah. Um, And it's one of those things that I feel like in recent years has kind of been appropriated by, like, moody... (laughs) (laughs) Teens <laughs> as something that they think is really original and deep because, like, they can't stand being around all the sheeple all the time. No, do you yeah, know, it's, yeah. do you know the particular like mindset that I'm trying to avoid yeah, here? The Just mindset like,
0: that uses the word sheeple, <laughs> <laughs> which is a particular like, type of nonconformism. It's not like
1: it's like it's that conformist nonconformism. Yes. That again, I mean, I mentioned hot topic earlier because I think it really. um it really symbolizes what all this is for, but it's like hot topic is where it's where quote unquote nonconformists go so they can all non-conform together. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> Whereas I think like in the context of the play, it's one of those statements that's so much more specific and is, <sighs> I think it doesn't, it doesn't quite mean what people use it as, even though, it's it's related to what people use it as. Does that yeah, make people, sense?
1: Yeah, people use it almost as a, oh, I don't like other people or, oh, I don't like being around st- stupid people. Again, I mean, pretty much everything I'm saying is in scare quotes here, but like, <laughs> yeah. I don't... Yeah, I mean, that's they don't like being around people who conform to societal norms. And in the play, it's like, it's not a bumper sticker. It's not a t-shirt. It comes... At the end of in this, you know, in the edition that I read, which is pretty small print, granted, it yeah. was like 42 pages of people picking each other and finding out all the worst stuff about each other. And well, and really, and I mean, bringing out the worst in each other. That's And I think that's the that's the important part is I think
0: the realization that your punishment is how other people can treat you and how you are a player in that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, how you yourself are responsible for how you are treated and what happens to you. Um, And the kind of... Going back to the the idea of the look, which is that thing I was talking about earlier with the mannequin. That, like, you are defined by how other people view your actions.
1: Yeah. Um, Like, especially with Joseph's character, he... I think he it's one of those things like he he knew in himself somewhere all along that he had it in him to be a coward. Yes. And he you know, he made a million little mistakes and kind of excused them all to himself because it's just a little mistake. And, you know, when it really comes down to it, I will be what I think that I am. And then it turns out that he's not yes and and he gets thrown in a room with people who will not let him forget that well and yeah and at the same time he still needs things from
0: those people you know what Mm -hmm. i mean that need never goes away and that's part of the hell at the same time yeah so i think like the hot topic sheeple version of the quote (laughs) is other people are hell you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like other people suck Whereas I think what the quote might actually be saying is is a little more complicated and
1: yeah, it's like, it's not the other people in and of themselves. Like that's a component of it. Yes. But it's more, you know, other people won't let me forget. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And like other people make me feel bad about myself or something for good reason. Yeah. It's all about, it's all about finding that like internal stuff. Like I, the the stuff that you know, but talk yourself into forgetting all the time.
0: Yeah, that unless there is someone there to contradict you, you just live with. Yeah, um, I'd also okay as we as we head out, Andrew. I want to share with you a transitive uh, a, it, something I discovered through the transitive property okay, when I me. when I saw this play. So, if hell is other people, and soylent green is people. Is hell other soil and green?
1: I mean, like, do I have to dignify that with a response, or are we good? Or
0: <laughs> we could just we could just close the show on that. We don't even need to give them the whole rigmarole. I'll just say okay. that again. And we'll. Say oh, is goodbye. there is
1: there more? Oh, oh, you mean the the rigmarole where we say, if you think that we are hell and would like to tell us about. it, you can send us an email at OverduePod at gmail.com. Um, we are also on Twitter at com slash OverduePod and Facebook.com slash OverduePod. Um, we try to keep all those feeds updated with the newest um, episodes. I think we're the most active on Facebook, so if you want to go like us there, that would, that would probably be the best way to keep up with our wheelings and dealings.
0: You can also um, keep up with our wheelings and dealings at our website, OverduePodcast.com, which has all of our... Uh, back episodes and it has links to amazon uh links gross um <laughs> yeah, there are amazon links that you can click uh for the books that we have read and if we are on top of our game the books that we are reading soon we as often you, are yeah uh so you can follow along and uh g- it gives us a little bit to help defray hosting costs And as Andrew likes to say, the Jean-Paul Sartre costs of recording this podcast. (laughs) uh, You can also drop us a line on our iTunes page, which is, uh, you can find that through the website. And you can rate and review us there, which we'd greatly appreciate. It helps other people discover the show. Uh, You can subscribe to us on iTunes or uh, through the RSS feed if you haven't done so already. Uh, I think that...
1: It's yeah i think that's it i mean just thank you to everybody who's listening cuz i do get messages from people who say oh i've started listening to your podcast and i don't know why they got to feel so bad about it but <laughs> yeah i kind of get that too <laughs> it's <laughs> always like a it's not quite shame but like it's an, it's related to shame I will like say the way that, that okay. they admit it to you
0: it's what i know is the thing is that i i have talked to people who sometimes they only listen to the shows for books they've already read. Um, which is fine, and, which is That's okay. Acceptable. Uh, and also, uh, I've talked to like people I know in the real world who listen, um, who find it weird sometimes to listen to people they know on a podcast. And okay. So I think that you might be that. part of the like, Hey, I started listening to your thing. Cause <laughs> then it's like, uh, cause then it's, i know laura has said that she doesn't like to listen to the show like just after she's seen me because then it's weird like i'm like we're still having a conversation
1: <laughs> i think Susanna listens at the gym okay. yeah she doesn't get enough of my voice no are together
0: yeah. um so if you haven't gotten enough of our voices you can tune in next week uh i think we'll be talking about battle royale
1: yeah, next week we are we've actually already recorded it, but I think we're going to post this one first. Um, we right. have yeah, to tie into Hunger Games mania, we're going to read Battle Royale, which has been credited as like the inspiration for the Hunger Games. Who I knows? don't know if that's true or not, but yeah, that is one that my fiance Susanna will be reading and she will be joining us and we think that you'll like it. But we hope so. Yeah. Okay, everyone, try to be happy. We'll see you next week.